Hello, I'm Leanne. I'm a light worker and a mother to three special girls. I strive to continue learning, growing, and collect new skills. I'm a psychic medium, Reiki master teacher, and an Akashic Records reader and healer. Thank you for joining me on my journey through spirituality and life. Welcome to the Life of a Lightworker podcast. Hello. In this episode, I'm going to talk about neurodiversity and spirituality. First, I'm going to talk about neurodiversity in my life and then how spirituality came in. One thing I am very passionate about is learning and talking about mental health and neurodiversity. It's one of those things that unless you have personally experienced it with either yourself or someone close to you, you just don't know that much about it. You see the outer shell that is portrayed, but you don't see what's going on inside, what it's like on a private level. I have had anxiety since I was little. I had social anxiety. My general overall anxiety skyrocketed once I had children. It was all-encompassing and it ate up so much of my energy. I was, I felt like a shell of a person. I had no energy for anything for me. My entire focus was my kids, which was exasperated by all my children having varying degrees of neurodiversity themselves. I didn't have any experience and was completely blind as I struggled day to day. After eight years, I started making my own mental health a priority and I started taking anxiety medication and it helped so much. The voice in my head that had told me to worry about being killed every time I got into a car that told me everyone at the store was looking at me, was thinking horrible things about me and that, and that voice that told me I was a bad mother and everything that in quotes was wrong with my kids was my fault. That voice started to get a little bit quieter once I started medication, and my real voice was able to become louder. I didn't feel different, but I felt more free, more like myself. Then, in 2001, I was able to wean off my medication. I was able to do this because I had learned ways to control my anxiety through meditation, Reiki, and then turning to God, the angels, my guides for support. When I started worrying, I would send my worry up to the universe in trust that I was being taken care of. I don't know if I would have been able to learn these skills and get to the level needed to control my anxiety without first being medicated. I needed that crutch. I will never tell anyone that they should stop taking medication. I needed it for years. Only you can decide what is right for you. Do research, and if you do decide to stop taking medications for mental health, make sure to go very, very slowly. Make sure you have a support system in place that can tell you if you should consider going back on. Sometimes it's hard to see for yourself. This is not something to be taken lightly, it is very serious and it should be treated that way. I am not a medical professional and 
I cannot and will not tell you what to do with medications. Now, a little about my kids. The diagnoses that are in our house are ADHD, Tourette syndrome, and anxiety. And I have a gut feeling there is autism as well, but we won't know for sure until the end of the summer. How ADHD presents itself in my kids is only being able to focus on what they're truly interested in, what lights them up, and a short attention span for non-preferred activities. An example is instead of saying, get ready for bed, you say, brush your teeth, wash your face, get your pajamas, and break it down even further for saying, put the toothpaste on the toothbrush, and only giving one or two directions at a time. So be brush your teeth, and then when they're done, wash your face, and then when you're done, get on your pajamas, please. Uh, it can take a very, very long time to get routines down. Visual references help my kids. Once a routine is set up, it can be very difficult to change. Unexpected changes makes outbursts and aggression come up to the surface way quicker and more easily. In two of them, they are very, very physically active and are constantly running around and making lots of noise, singing and talking all the time. With one of them, she's very quiet and she fidgets and chews on things all the time. All of them have different sensory sensitivities. For example, sensitive to sounds, the feeling of some clothing, anxiety around food because it's not what they're expecting. For example, fruit can take taste different each time you take a bite of different fruits. So because of that, it can be a little difficult to try new things. One is oversensitive in some areas, like sound, and others are undersensitive in other areas, like pain tolerance and needing lots of deep pressure, while another one is extremely sensitive to pain. They are all quick to react to situations and get upset and angry very easily. The length of the storm after getting upset varies. Each kid needs something different when they're upset. One needs hugs right away. One likes their space. One is a very good communicator and tells me what she needs, which is not what you would expect from a kid with ADHD, but she is a very old soul. How anxiety presents in my kids is varied as well. One of them would not let me out of their sight until they were seven. School drop-offs were very challenging, and it was just the initial separation. She was fine once she got inside because she had amazing teachers and she had so much fun at school. She slept with me until she was seven. She was scared of going on elevators until she was nine. In general, she was just very fearful. She also had a lot of social anxiety and was very shy. Another one of my kids has been a social butterfly since a baby, and her anxiety didn't start until she was around five, and it was health and germ anxiety. She always asked if the toilets were clean, if certain things were clean. It was borderline OCD behavior. I was monitoring it and trying my best to ride the line between making her feel safe and not making her fears worse. 
not feeding into the fears. One thing I did for the bathroom was, when she asked if it was clean, I would ask her if she thought it was clean. And when she said yes, I would agree with her. I would keep changing my wording up so she didn't get stuck on those specific words. COVID was very, very hard on her. She would not leave the house, not even to go into her own very own backyard for over six months. She still won't go to school without a mask on, and it took months of working with her behavioral therapist to get her to come to the front steps for her therapy appointments. How Tourette's syndrome presents for one of my kids is tics. Tics are sounds or movements that they feel like they need to do. They can be suppressed by holding them back, but it takes so much effort that eventually they can't stop it anyways. So holding it in for a few minutes doesn't do any good. The reference that most people can understand is when they have an itch and you can't scratch it. And all you can do is think about it. You just have to scratch it in order to let your mind be free to think about other things. My kid explains it to me as just something they need to do. She doesn't want to do it. Some of them are painful because she does them all day, every day. Uh, she has around five ticks right now, and they keep changing. They evolve over time. Everyone is different. Tourette syndrome also makes her more aggressive, quicker to anger, and has quite explosive behavior. I firmly believe that kids should be tested as soon as you notice something because once you have a diagnosis, you can get more supports from school and the community. In Alberta, Canada, there is um, FSCD, Family Services for Children with Disabilities. They provide funding so the kids can have occupational therapy, behavioral therapy, and other therapies depending on the needs of the kid. They also provide funding for specialized summer camps, financial help for medications, and I'm sure they do I'm missing so many other things. They have been a real lifesaver for me. The relationships we have developed with the therapists over the years have been invaluable. They are real earth angels. The therapists I've met with them have been the kindest, loving people I've ever met. In Canada, there is also the Disability Child Tax Credit. This is similar to the Canada Child Benefit, but you need to have a doctor's notes and you also need an application that the doctor fills out in order to receive it. Some of the medications my kids take are very expensive and the work insurance doesn't cover a lot of it, especially the most expensive ones. So these benefits really help support us. Unfortunately in Canada, medications are not covered like doctor's visits. Employers offer medication benefits or you can buy plans yourself. I believe the diagnosis is important. And you need the diagnosis to get special help at school, to see certain therapists. So it's not labeling the child and limiting them. I believe it is allowing them to receive as much help as possible. And any type of help
should be gracefully accepted. Because this isn't about us. This is about our kids. And helping them work through the challenges that they are going through is part of our job. And if we personally don't have the skills that are needed to work through those issues, we need to enlist other people to help us. And if the only way that we can access these people to help us is through diagnosis, well then that is what we're going to do. Because we can only, even if the system is not ideal, we, this is the system we have and we have to work with it for our kids. Our kids deserve every little bit of help, every support, any extra care an adult takes and shows our kid, shows that to them that they are worthwhile. They deserve kindness and they deserve not to be left behind. I've been giving my kids Reiki for a year and while it does help a bit, it has not been a game changer. With my oldest, who is almost 11, expanding her mind and heart spiritually has been the biggest impact so far. We have only begun our journey, but I have seen big changes in her aggression and patience and her tics. Introducing her to the angels, using my abilities to talk to her angels, describing them and letting them talk to her through me has been a huge help. I have gone into her Akashic Records and shown her some of her past lives. This expansion of what is possible and releasing some of the limitations that she has felt before has had such a positive effect on her. I can't wait until we find the right path to uncover her potential. I plan to teach her Reiki this summer and give her level one attunements. I feel like this will push her to where she needs to be to help take care of herself a little bit more. And then just to be clear, she wants to learn Reiki. She's naturally drawn to learning about spirituality and she really loves talking about it with me. If she didn't want to do this, I would not force her and I would not do this without her permission. I also do not do everything she asks. I use my judgment and then something comes up that might be upsetting for her, I don't tell her. For example, I did not tell her of a past life that I had from, with her where she was the child and she was taken away from me when she was five. It was very traumatic and is one reason why she has not let me out of her sight from birth until she was about seven or eight, other than when she was at school. I have received some information from the Akashic Records about Tourette Syndrome, and this is what I've got. I saw an image of a soul with sparks flying all around it. The sparks are energy that need to be released. There is an energy imbalance. It is as if the soul is confined and squished. It is a very big soul and is squeezed into our human bodies. The adjustment to the human body is hard for the soul. Helping to stretch and expand the mind through spiritual developments help the soul adjust and become more relaxed in the body. It is as if the spiritual development expands the aura, allowing more space for the soul. I also received some information on ADHD. It said that ADHD is fast energy. 
The soul wants to sample everything and will finish what lights them up. It does not need to be fixed. It's just a different side of the coin, a different way of being. Grounding is very important, so the extra fast energy is able to be released. Grounding is the most important practice for people with ADHD energy. It needs to settle back into the earth. In another session, I received that grounding is so important in neurodiversities. Expelling energy through movement, sound, or strenuous mental thought. The key, though, is that the activity has to light them up. The energy needs to be released in a way that feeds the soul. It has to feel purposeful in some way to the person. When the energy gets stuck, it sparks off as either ticks, aggression, or agitation. I believe that neurodiverse people have a soul that is having a hard time integrating with the physical body. My guides have told me that one of my purposes in life is to find a way to help my kids with the integration process and to help others along the way. Learning about spiritual development, focusing on my own development so that I can guide them through this journey is something that I'm honored to do and I take very seriously. So I'm going to be documenting my journey and any insights along the way that help me, I am definitely going to pass along to you. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day.